0: You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is September 16th, 2020. My name is Will Ross Bross. I'm the expert insight editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter at R underscore OMD. episode coming out just a hair later than I'd like to. But a good conversation on the way that'll carry us through the rest of the week. We'll split it up into three parts. The Orlando Magic, of course, in the offseason mode, but the NBA playoffs are in full swing. An exciting game, exciting day night of basketball last night as the Orlando as as the LA Clippers fall to the Denver Nuggets in Game Seven, and Bam Adebayo blocks the Boston Celtics from an overtime Game One victory. If the rest of the playoffs go exactly like how last night went. We are in store for some fantastic, fantastic basketball. Luckily, we get to take a small breath of fresh air this Wednesday uh, as, the, as the playoffs take a breather so that the Nuggets can get at least a day of rest before they fall down 3-1 to the Lakers and beat them and reach the NBA Finals. For the latest on those teams, be sure to check out the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Whether it's Locked On Nuggets, Locked On Clippers, Locked On Heat, or Locked On Celtics, or Locked On Lakers, there is a Locked On podcast for you. No matter what your team is, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or college too, or even the Big Ten, like on Locked On Big Ten with the big news about the Big Ten today in college football, you can find a local podcast for you. Just search for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. So I'm going to do some house cleaning here before we get into the today's episode of um, we've had our friend Stuart Hodge, who you know has freelanced for Sky Sports in the UK, come on and kind of be a sounding board and a little bit of a conversation starter with us uh, on the on the podcast. Before we kind of did this massive, massive postmortem on the Orlando Magic and, and on their twenty twenty season and looking ahead to twenty twenty one. It is an hour and a half conversation um, that that we had and. Um, I, it was really good. Um, you know, I, think, I think Stewart you know, does a really good job asking me questions and kind of getting me to think about bigger issues. And I know that sometimes on this podcast, I drone on a little bit too much. And, and I know people appreciate when I do have guests on just to kind of mix things up. This is, this is about as good of a summary of what I think needs to happen this offseason, where I think this Magic team is, than, than I can give on my own in a monologue. So I want to thank Stewart first and foremost for coming on and, and helping bring that out. Um, we're going to split this conversation into three parts. So there'll be today's episode on Wednesday afternoon, tomorrow's episode will be thir- coming out Thursday around noon, and then Friday's episode also coming up around noon um, to, to kind of carry us through the weekend uh, and get us to next week. I'll do my depth chart review to start next week, If not, do if not a few more player evaluations as well as we continue to recap the 2020 Orlando Magic season. Just to kind of give a, a, another recap, another kind of base for us to stand upon. Uh, today's conversation will focus on the 2020 se- season itself. I'm going to try and... We, our, our The idea was to have a section on the 2020 season and then a section on the 2021 season and the off season, But everything kind of weaves together. But the idea is this episode will be focused on recapping the 2020 season, where the Magic fell short, what the Magic did well, and begin to look ahead to what it means to this team's future. We're going to go... Again, three parts. They'll be each about 30 minutes long. Each, you know, again, fudging a little bit for uh, to figure out where uh, where good breaks in the conversation are, where the conversation shifts and turns. Um, I'm going to try not to repeat because you know the way I cut these things is is a little bit weird too. Um, but we're we're going to focus on the 2020 season. Essentially, you know, just as a basic recap. Not that y'all need it. The Magic finished 33 and 40 at eight in the Eastern Conference. They were three and five within the campus setting, but certainly a bit disappointed with that record, even if that was the record we all ultimately thought they would get. Injuries were undoubtedly the story for this season. From the beginning of the season to the very end, with Jonathan Isaac's torn ACL and Aaron Gordon's hamstring and all the other various injuries the Magic had, it is impossible to tell the story of the season without first recognizing that they were hurt for much of it. The Magic's depth took a hit. Orlando had to scramble and find a way, but they ultimately did to make the playoffs. Still, despite all this, Our numbers and our our statistics project that the Orlando Magic probably would have won only 38 or 39 games. Not a significant decrease from the 42 they won in 2019, but still a bit of a regression. You can certainly look that and say, okay, well, losing Jonathan Isaac, losing Nikola Vucevic for how long they lost him, losing DJ Augustine, Michael Carter-Williams for how long they lost him, losing al the biggest addition to the team, three wins seems about the right price. But again... Orlando did not accomplish their goal in finishing 7th in the Eastern Conference, which was certainly a goal to be back in that spot. And more importantly, they did not take the step forward. Even if the Magic had finished 7th, even at the best projection of the Magic, getting to 40, 41, maybe 42 wins again, they still would have finished 6 or 7 games behind 6th place. The fact of the matter is the Magic remain a team at the bottom of the Eastern Conference standings. And no matter how positively we want to spin this, this was not ultimately the Magic's goal. As I will say, I believe in part three of this podcast, of this conversation, essentially the Magic's goal this year, the baseline goal, was to prove that 2019 wasn't a fluke. And in that sense, they succeeded. But beyond that, growing into the next phase of this team's development is a big question mark still. And that's a question that we'll address probably on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic in this conversation as well. But for now, let's start with the 2020 season and recap what went wrong with Stuart Hodge. We are now joined by our pal Stuart Hodge of, uh, of uh, I guess he's, he's freelanc- freelancing a little bit in in, <laughs> in the UK, but you you, you can see him on, what was it, Sky Sport? Well,
1: yeah, on Sky Sports was where I was doing a lot of my written work until fairly recently. Um, although I will admit during the pandemic, it has slowed down a bit, as it has for many freelance journalists, I'm pretty sure. Uh, But to be honest, I am following hoops more than I ever have. And I've now become like the evangelist. I think I'm the annoying one of my friends. I just say, look, guys, you know how you're getting annoyed watching football or, or soccer without fans? The one sport that is working so well without fans is NBA in the bubble. So watch some basketball.
0: Yeah, and it's and it was a crazy. I mean, crazy night. Last night we're recording this on September sixteenth, Wednesday, the night after a wild game one to the Eastern Conference Finals between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics, and an even wilder and shocking finish to Game Seven of the Denver Nuggets and LA Clippers. The Conference Finals were down to the final four. Twenty two teams went into the mm. bubble; only four remain. Uh, as the Denver Nuggets take on the Los Angeles Lakers starting Friday, Game Two. Between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics will be Thursday, I believe. So definitely, definitely a real exciting time in the NBA with with, with those games going on. But you know, we've had about two weeks now since the since the Magic season ended. Uh, you know, they they falling fall to the Milwaukee Bucks in five games. Yep. Not not an unexpected result. You know, Orlando entered the bubble, you know, hoping to finish seventh. They obviously didn't accomplish that goal, but they they came out of that playoff series. Honestly, I felt like the Magic came out of that playoff series feeling really good. It was a much different vibe uh, from the coachings from Steve Clifford, from Jeff Weltman, and, and even from some of the players than last year's in the 2019 playoff battle against the Toronto Raptors. They, it definitely felt like the Magic believed they learned from their previous playoff experience and, and acquitted themselves well. They gave the Blocky Bucks a really strong fight, and obviously the Heat eliminated them a series later, so maybe that wasn't a fully operational battle station, but um Stuart Stewart, I wanted to get your thoughts on first before anything else, how the magic played inside the bubble, and and what your general thoughts were on on their on their postseason prospects. listen, I think
1: there was just there was a wave of momentum was beginning to build now obviously the bubbles in Orlando right so it's kind of that 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 kind of sort of gave the the magic probably a few intangible advantages over other teams that they might not have had but when Jonathan Isaac was in the team and when everything was just operating around him I'm not saying the magic would have got past the box. But I think we saw the Bucks' limitations uh, when they were eliminated in the conference semi finals. That exposed the frailties and weaknesses, and why I think um, <clears throat> Mike Budenholzer, despite the sort of coach of the year accolades that he's won, when you look at it, there are weaknesses that they have not addressed. And for me, the Bucks were never going to be a championship contender with Eric Bledsoe there. But When Jonathan Isaac was in that Magic team and playing well, and before he went down with his injury, it felt different again. It felt like being a Magic fan felt when Dwight Howard was here, when Tracy McGrady was here. It felt like those times, just a little bit, just a little bit. I'm not saying the team was playing to the same standard, but I felt a wave of optimism, a wave of, wow, something's happening here. You know, like this team is real. This is legit. We are building pieces. We're getting stuff happening around. Even all of the all of the players that, that, that frustrate me and all of that sort of thing—they were all draining shots. And don't get me wrong; these things aren't sustainable. You can't keep hitting shots all the time. And the magic—we're never going to keep hitting shots at that same offensive clip that they they ended before the break and and sort of did after it. But when I was watching it, I was just thinking. This is a team that has an identity. This is a team that is, is going places. Even if not at a great pace and not going to be a contender soon... This is a team that has a really, really exciting upward trajectory. You've got Chumo Okeke working in the background, the magic light like to take their time with all the players that have, have injury issues. I mean, the, there could be there could be unknown potential just sort of lurking in the background there. And you've got that surrounded with a combination of veterans who are really allowing these younger players to express themselves and get the most out of it. Markel Fultz, this is the great season. Real bounce-back season for him. Delighted to see that happen for him. And Isaac was the difference-maker. And what I loved about it was Isaac was the difference-maker with his play in the defensive end. Because everyone in the bubble, when you look at the bubble, it's a shooter's bubble. I think it was, was Isaiah Thomas that, that, that tweeted that. And I totally agree. If you look at the, the shooting percentages and stuff, then that can be seen. That doesn't suit the Magic, but we were playing really, really well because of the impact we were having defensively on games. However, then the injury happened, and that is when, to be honest, I feel that the future of this franchise could potentially have flipped in a single unfortunate moment because we don't know if Jonathan Isaac's going to be able to come back playing at the level that he looked like he was beginning to touch and that's the thing it looked like we were beginning to build towards something huge and I think we would have taken another game at least off the box if we'd had Jonathan Isaac in the team but that moment could have had massive consequences for the magic moving forward
0: yeah, I mean, obviously, I think that the the team's whole future is is very much up in the air, and and one thing that I think we all counted on as far as the Magic taking another step in twenty twenty one, or even a, a a thing that the I think the Magic were counting on as they were beginning to maybe assess and figure out what kind of moves they were going to make in the offseason was an understanding that Jonathan Isaac would be there, that that the team's most exactly. promising promising uh, uh, young player. Uh, would be there and would continue to grow. I mean yes, he only played what 32 games, 33 games before his initial knee injury, but he was already getting all defensive team buzz. You know, I, I say this all the time. Jonathan Isaac is the one player on this team that does anything at an elite level. I mean, he is an all defensive mm-hmm. team player. And and you know, I joked about this when when the all defensive teams came out, you know, twenty twenty one is going to be the last year that Jonathan Isaac's not on that team. And you know, you you hope that absolutely true um because he has that potential to do so. But you know, I, I I think that that Isaac's return inside the bubble, I think that lifted everyone up. You know, I, I think I think when you came to this, getting ready for this bubble uh, and getting ready for playing in the campus, you need any little advantage that you can get. You need any little shot of energy that you can get because you have to create so much energy on your own. And having Jonathan Isaac come back, a guy who's worked so hard to stay, you know, to get himself healthy and get himself ready for this opportunity, was kind of gifted this opportunity in, in a lot of ways because of the pandemic to see him back on the floor, you could tell that everyone on the team was very, very excited for him, that, that they were all in his corner, that they are all cheering him. Uh, and I think that gave the team such a huge energy boost, you know, through that Denver game uh, in, in, the, in the scrimmage session, um, through the Brooklyn game, which was, you know, such a huge game at the time, and even into the Sacramento game. You know, the Magic were just, you could just feel this confidence br- brimming with them. It
1: was and a wave though, it. wasn't it? It was, it was a wave that, and that's what I was alluding to. I've not felt something like that with the Orlando Magic in a long, long time. That was yeah. what was exciting about it.
0: Yeah, and, and for sure. I mean, and, and and you know, this Magic team had been injured so much this year. We, we didn't really get to see them at full strength all year. And I mean, this is a group that, a lot of people thought, you know, was going to take another step, was going to maybe compete for the 6th seed, compete for the five seed, maybe even home court advantage. Uh, And and we never got to see that because everyone was just hurt, really, from the beginning of the season to the end. And so it finally looked like everyone was healthy, you know, minus Alfred Camino, obviously. Uh, and, and, And we were seeing, you know, what this team's potential was. But just like there was that shot of energy from Isaac's return, when he got hurt, when he... Tore ACL, you know, you know, in in a blowout win at that that night, just felt like a loss. You could just feel oh, the yeah. air rushed out of the building, and you know, honestly, like I I, I credit the Magic for fighting through everything and. And getting to the finish line and taking a game from the Bucs. and and you know playing uh, again, I think they played really really well in the in the playoffs, but they just they just didn't have the horses. Yeah, to get, we to just the we end.
1: Ju- exactly we just didn't have the, the the quality to compete against a team like that, which which has the the MVP. You know, I, I think that's the issue. But when I that's the frustrating thing about that injury to Jonathan Isaac because. You just felt like something was building and then just, I mean, we all know it's like being an Orlando Magic fan. It just felt like it was taken away from us. You get that glimpse of, of what could be and then it's taken away. But I think you make a really good point, Phil, when you say about the way that the team fought despite that, because... let's look at the parameters here, right? This is different from any other NBA situation there has ever been. It's different from any other sporting situation that there's ever been. Albeit that the bubble is in Orlando. These people are away from their families. Everything is intensified. The emotions of everything are intensified and are magnified. Now, if you put that into context and you think that's perhaps why his return to the team gave such a joke because they saw how hard he had worked. And everyone, Aaron Gordon, I think, said in his interview after the game where where Isaac went down injured, he said, we all feel for him because we know how hard he worked to get here. And... I don't think, I mean, I I saw a few things kicking around for a a small period of time where they said maybe he'd been brought back too early. No chance, absolutely no no chance of that. That's not what the Magic do. If anything, they're overly cautious uh, in terms of making sure that players are ready to come back. So it's devastating to to see that happen to Jonathan Isaac. And I think when you consider, uh, you saw the players after uh, in in the fourth quarter of that game just sitting on the bench and like, it, it was kind of like the atmosphere you get you know, if you hear about someone dying, like like I'm not meaning to over dramatize the situation, but the, the, it looked like air, that same the air, emotion.
0: The air rushed out of the balloon. Like you that, could just see, you it. could just see everyone deflated. And you know, who knows what would have happened? I mean, even if Isaac had played, you know, Evan Fournier was still sick. You know, Terrence Ross might have still gotten that heartburn that that caused him to leave the bubble and go to the hospital. You know, Aaron Gordon still might have gotten hit across the chest and and strained his strained his hamstring. Like there's still no telling what would have happened. Um, You know, the magic, you know, we, we do have to, I think call, you know, the time in the bubble, at least something of a failure, but you know, a lot of it was out of their control. They were just, you know, this was an injury filled season and the injuries continued to pile up in the, in the bubble. And, you know, there's there's not a lot you can do about it
1: yeah you say it's a failure I wouldn't call the time in the bubble a failure at all because we uh, we did what we we set out to do which was to make sure that we made it into the playoffs right obviously the the Brooklyn Nets situation with the the roster changeover kind of made that made that play into the, the, the the Magic's hands a lot in terms of making it a bit easier for us but I think when you look at everything mentally that the team has had to struggle through and the fact that they made that competitive series against the Bucks, I mean, not not that we were going to win it, but we competed in it. We weren't disgraced. I mean, when you consider the how depleted our roster was compared to, to theirs and also the quality differential at I think the magic competed to the best of their ability, and every night they went out there and they left it all out there. And I think that factor alone, I think the coaching staff and the players themselves deserves so much credit for because it would have been so easy for them to go, "Yeah, do you know what? This season's a bust now," like and just fall out of games. But I think that's the difference when I look at the when I look at the difference culturally between when and obviously we weren't making the playoffs at the time, but when we were losing games against better teams a few years back, there was just that sense of like you didn't feel that everyone was invested necessarily all of the time. But I watch the Magic team now and I, I think like everyone's trying their hardest, even if they're limited and they're having an off night shooting the ball, whatever it might be, making bad decisions, turning the ball over. I don't think that it's through any lack of effort. I think a culture has been built now at the ball club where people know they have to give one hundred and ten percent every night, or they're not going to be anywhere near it. And that's that's the that's the interesting crossroads of the magic find themselves at now because you've had these veterans. I feel that that culture is established now. It's about going okay. So how do we then take that to a point where we're beginning to develop the young talent in a more productive and progressive way? And that's the question that I would maybe put to you now is how do the Magic look to meet that challenge? Because now I would say the eye should focus more on developing the younger players in the roster and ensuring that they continue to to reach their potential ceiling, rather than just saying, right, let's run all of the offense through Nikola Vucevic and have Evan Fournier um, sort of ice his way wherever he wants, you know? Like, I mean, that that's the that's for me the pivot point the Magic are at. So how did they make that transition? And do you think they should be making it? Do you agree with me?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think this gets to a very like core philosophical question that, that I think is going to be at the very heart of what the magic do in this off season in 2021, um, you know, well, well, I, I think that for a lot of people, you know, the, the going thought is, you know, that I think there are two camps on this. Uh, you know, there's a thought that that the only way for young players to grow is to go out on the court, make mistakes, kind of learn by doing. And, 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 and honestly, like you probably need a mix of these two approaches. So, so, you know, I'm not going to say that this is an either or you go one path or the other. It's, it's, it's trying to find a way to mix the two to, 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 to your to your benefit and this is this is where good coaching certainly comes in um, the other thought and I, I think this is more where the magic cue is the the belief that young players develop better in winning environments when they have when they have to come in and understand what it takes to win at a, at a high level or even at even at low levels but what it takes to win and, and understand, you know, what I have to do to help my team win. You know, my mistakes cost the team in the long run. So how do I fit into a role that limits my mistakes and allows me to do what I do, um, you know, with some opportunity to grow perhaps, but ultimately helps the team win. Uh, And and I think that Jeff Weltman, you know, whether it was his time in Toronto, whether it was, honestly, his time in Denver too, uh, certainly his time in Detroit, uh, and, and certainly, you know, the philosophy in Orlando has been our young players will grow more if they're put in winning environments, if they're put in situations where they, they they play meaningful games late in the season and they have to, you know, not necessarily temper down their play, but have to conform their play to a role that ultimately helps the team succeed. Winning obviously helps the team succeed. And we'll get back to our conversation with Stuart here in just a moment. I really hope that transition wasn't super awkward. I'm going to have to listen back to this. But in any case, when you have a long conversation, say one that is as long as this, you need the energy boost to get through it. You need to do what you got to do to get through it. I'm recording this part of this conversation at two o'clock. I haven't eaten lunch yet. I'm hungry. How am I going to get through this? I'll tell you how I'm going to eat a built bar right now. Uh, maybe, maybe literally, maybe not. You You don't know. Um, Built Bar is the delicious protein bar, the best protein bar I've ever had that tastes exactly like a candy bar. Comes in 18 amazing flavors, like cookies and cream. I've got that one in my chest right now, or not on my, you know, in, in my cabinet or, or, or pantry or whatever it's called. Uh, carrot cake, which will be on my next order, or German chocolate, or double chocolate caramel, or sorry, double chocolate mousse, or salted caramel, all these bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they are delicious. They taste exactly how they sound. It's great. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious person. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for keto diets. Come in great flavors again. Check out the Cookies and Cream. You think Cookies and Cream, you know, it, Oreos, you know, I, I, I love Oreos, but you think Cookies and Cream, you think, like, oh, it's got to be so full of fat. It's, you know tastes so good. No, wrong. You're absolutely wrong. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. That is a delicious and tasty snack that will give you the energy boost you need to get through whatever you have to get through on this afternoon. Go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code On and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code Locked On for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Um, and, you know, I, I, think, I think what was really interesting to watch throughout the entire year was Marco Fultz. I mean, Fultz. Fultz was essentially a rookie. Um, you know, let us I mean, he played, what, 33 games in his first two seasons with Philadelphia. Um, you know, just never really got into the, into the flow of things because of the injury. And so this year was his first real run through the NBA in a full season or in, as full a season as, as, as the world would provide him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you watched how his role grew throughout the season started off coming off the bench. It was clear that he was going to start eventually, but the Magic are going to be very cautious and slow with him. But it was undeniable how much better the team was with him on the floor that he became a starter, you know, five games into the season. From there, he, you know, he had his ups and downs that you'd expect from a rookie. But you notice, as the season went on, as, as he continued to prove himself and play, Steve Clifford gave him more responsibility. Um, you know, I, I think a big part of the reason why the Magic had their surge around the All-Star break was Clifford trusted faults enough yeah. to run the offense and gave him, you know, a little bit more leash. He earned that. He earned that responsibility. It wasn't something that was given to him because, Oh, he's the young guy. He's the guy we're trying to develop. Let him go out there and make plays. That's not how this team, that's not how this team wants to work. That's not how this team wants to operate. But when you've, you know, passed, you know, benchmark a, you move on to, you know, responsibility B or, you know, so on and so forth. You kind of move up that ladder and, you know, I think that Fultz's development this year and the way that, you know, he did get better as the year went on. That is a, that is an explicit goal that Steve Clifford has for his team and his players, that they get better as the year goes on. I think something that, you know, is, is bodes well for how the Magic approach things is Fultz, you know, was playing well. You know, maybe it wasn't at the speed that fans wanted, and, and I get that. And, and, and I think that there is something to that. You know, Steve Clifford is a very deliberate coach. He doesn't make rash decisions. He's you know he's gonna take in a lot of information and and come to a very sound conclusion before he tries anything, and and that's both a strength and a weakness. Of
1: yeah, I totally agree. Um, um, but uh, but sorry,
0: carry on. But sorry, by the end of the season, Fultz had that trust, and you could see how good the Magic were because of it. Now I think that trust got taken away a little bit in the bubble, um, because Fultz had the came into the bubble late, and you know maybe wasn't. You know, in as you know, wasn't able to get into basketball shape as quickly as other players. But, um, you know, you could tell, you could see that, you know, one of the things that the Magic knew they had to do was they had to trust Markel Fultz. And I think now Fultz is going to have an off season to work on his own skills to get better as a player. And he's going to enter next season with that trust. And so I think for the Magic, you know, yes, you know, they they probably need to move away from the Nikola Vucevic Evan Fournier era and start figuring out what this team's going to look like. But, those are still essentially your two best players uh, until someone proves otherwise. Uh, And, you know, I think having Marco Fultz on the ball is going to make Evan Fournier a better player. It's going to make Nikola Vucevic a better player too. Um, But the young guys have to earn their keep. They have to prove that they're ready for more responsibility. And yes, when a veteran is in the way of that next step for a young player, that's when you move the veteran. So, you know, I, I, I think the Magic are going to still kind of straddle both lines next season. You know, I think they still view themselves, even without Jonathan Isaac, as a playoff contender, as a team that can make the playoffs. And I think that's something that they still value more, especially for young players.
1: So how much benefit do you think you get, though, out of getting uh, winning the first game and then getting swept, sort of gentleman sweep? Like, I, I, what What is the value in doing that year after year for, for, for young players?
0: Cer- certainly not year after year. Um, you know, I, I, I do think that, you know, you reach a point where you have to start making moving forward. Um, you know, I, I've kind of come to this, this this belief that, you know, in the NBA, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backward. And, and I do think that this season does require us to take a, lot, a hard look at this team because at best they stagnated and at worst they regressed. And, and, and those, are not, those are two places you don't want to be. You do want to be pushing forward. And so I, I don't think it would be good for the Magic to go back to the playoffs for a third straight year uh, and get swept again, or to, to get gentlemen to, to be in a gentleman's suit. They need to show that they're making progress. But on the other hand, you go back and look at this year's playoffs, it did look like they made progress. It did look like they were in a more competitive series. It did look like that, you know, whatever knowledge they gained from playing in the playoffs last year, because the playoffs are a completely different animal, whatever knowledge they gained from playing in the playoffs last year helped them have a, honestly, a better play, playoffs this year. And honestly, I think it helped them make the playoffs this year as well. Um, you know, if, with all the injuries the Magic face, if they didn't have the playoff experience, if they didn't have kind of the institutional knowledge or the experience of going to the postseason last year, I don't think they make the playoffs. If if, you know, with the injuries the Magic had this year, you know, two years ago, you know, if the Magic had the injuries they had this year in 2019, that's a 25-win team. That's a you know barely a 30-win team if that. Um, you know, that that team isn't take take making the run that they made. Um, mm. you know, certainly Certainly, I think that the playoff experience helped them get through what was a very difficult season and get to the playoffs where they had a better showing. Now, is it the progress we want to see? Is it is it where we ultimately want the magic to be? No, and that's why we're we're asking and thinking about some very big questions this off season. Um, you know, including whether to trade veterans, whether to go younger, whether to kind of hit a, hit a little bit of the reset as well. Um, but it's, it's not but, just a
1: question. It's not just a question of players, though, is it? So it's also a question of style. So if yep. you play a team that, I mean, you mentioned the word speed, but I'm going to I'm gonna look at that in a different context now. So prime example would be the Sacramento Kings, right? If you look at the difference between Dave Yeager's team and Luke Walton's team and how the team has regressed this year is because they're playing at a slower pace primarily. Um, and also because I think Luke Walton just expects players incapable of it to, to try and ISO much better defenders. And I, I don't really know what his offensive plan for the Kings is. Anyway, I digress. If you are playing with Markel Fultz as your point guard, I think Markel Fultz operates best when he's operating at turbo speed. That's one of his biggest attributes. And if you look at an Orlando Magic team that has switchability on defense, that has all of these players with length and athleticism that we've drafted for that very purpose then if you're playing a team that has the the Eurobro combination of Evan Fournier and Nikola Vucevic, then just naturally, by virtue of these players' skill sets, you're going to be playing at a different speed. So my argument would be that if the Orlando Magic don't want to, to necessarily hold back, obviously you need to get value. You need to get a deal that's value, and you need to make sure there's a deal that takes the franchise in the direction that you want to take the franchise. But if you're going to hang your hat, on Markel Fultz, and you're going to say, right, this is our point guard for the next 10 years, give or take. What are we going to do to try and maximise his strengths? And one of his strengths for me is to ensure that the Magic play with a better tempo, a more up-tempo style of play. If you play the ball into Nikola Vucevic, then he's very, very good at ensuring that he sees the passes and, and, and can play really nice. He can obviously screen, pick and pop, all of the rest of it. But with Vucevic as the orbit, around which, or sorry, the the main, the main pivot around which the rest of your offense orbits, then that's going to force you into a style of play that's slower and more deliberate. If you're going to maximize the attributes of the Magic's best young players, and I would include Mo Bamba in this, given Mo Bamba's speed across the floor, which is really, really deceptive. He's so, so quick going coast to coast. If, and, and that could be a massive asset if Mobamba learns to sort of enhance his game and, and, and becomes the, the shot blocking, sort of three hitting player that I think he can potentially become in the NBA. I think if you give him room to become that and you play a team that plays with a faster pace, then you're accelerating the progress towards that eventual goal of having these magic players reach their ceiling and play in a way that benefits their attributes in the best way. That is my that is my argument as to why the Magic should be proactively looking for deals. So yeah, I get I get totally what you're saying about youngsters have to earn their keep. But I would say if you're Jonathan Isaac, you have. If you're Markel Fultz, you have. Um, I believe in the ability of Chuma Okeke and still believe in Mo Bamba's abilities to do so. Also think Ken Birch deserved the minutes that he got. And and Mo's situation was obviously entirely based on on injuries and and, and being careful and stuff. But you can have a a semi-serviceable centre pairing for a team that's not going to be absolutely terrible in the the weaker Eastern Conference. If if you give Mo Bamba a chance and you play Ken Burch as a really strong rebounder, as long as you're playing at a pace that allows your shooters to shoot. And that is the big that's the big problem for the Magic. We just don't have enough people that can shoot the ball. That has to be the goal this offseason is to add shooting, um, especially in the wings.
0: Yeah, and, and and I agree with all your points there. I mean, I think I think that the Magic offensively had the most success this year when, you know, they gave Fultz that trust and their pace jumped up, I think it was what, seventh or eighth in the league in the 10 games after the all star break. Um, you know, Steve Clifford hammered this point home even into the into the into training camp the Magic need to play with pace. And that's not necessarily about fast break points. That's not necessarily about going up and down the court. It's about playing fast within your offense. It's getting into your sets quicker and giving yourself more time to Mm. create and, and enable yourself to get through your sets to get better shots. You know, the more time you have to run your offense, the better chance you're going to get a better shot. And I agree 100%. Markel Fultz was the best player on this team at getting the team to play with pace. Michael Carter Williams was also very good at playing at a faster pace, forcing the totally magic to, to yep. kind of get themselves moving. And, and I agree to some extent that Nikola Vucevic slows that pace down. Evan Fournier slows that pace down. They're they're more kind of wait and see and and, re, and react to the defense players rather than guys who are going to force the defense to react to them. And, and that you know and I think philosophically that is a problem, especially in the playoffs. So the playoffs, you cannot be read and react. The playoffs, you've got to attack. You've got to find a way to beat defenses that know what's coming. And yes, this Magic team is playing to the standard of we want to be successful in the playoffs. And so I do think that there is something to that. And I think what is important, and I agree 100% on this, the Magic need to focus their offseason, not necessarily on finding like a specific skill. They need to focus this offseason on turning this Magic team into the team they ultimately want it to be you know, when Jonathan Isaac, you know, they're not going to have Jonathan Isaac this year. So here's, little... here's the thing
1: though, right? Obviously the Isaac question's hanging in the air, but do you think that the front office have a vision of what they want the team to be? And if so, you're, you're obviously, you're attending press conferences and press calls and stuff. What do you think that is if they do know it?
0: You know, and, and I think this is where they're, they're holding their, their cards a little bit close to their chest. You know, I don't think it's apparent what this, what they want this team to be, be because like you said earlier, you know, and maybe maybe we said this off air, but you know Jeff Weltman and John Hammond, you know their tenure has been more about uh, so far has been more about building infrastructure and not reshaping the roster. Um, you know I don't think that we can say, you know you know we we know who Jonathan we know who Jeff Weltman people are. It's Jonathan Isaac. It's Mo Bamba. It's Chumo Kiki. You know mm-hmm. those are the guys they drafted. Those are those are the kind of the, the tentpole people that they brought in. Markel Fultz is in that group too. Those are those are Jeff Weltman acquisitions. He inherited Nicola Vucevic. He inherited Evan Fournier. He inherited Aaron Gordon. Um, and so I think the I think what Jeff Waltman is really focused on in his first three years with the Magic organization is rebuilding the infrastructure of the team. You know, I, I talk a lot about this, you know, in those early years. The, you know, the Magic completely remade their, their medical staff. You know, and they they just recently had a, 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 a change there with, with David Tenney moving to Austin FC. Um, mm-hmm. So they have, you know, they hired a, high, you know, they promoted someone from within for, as their high performance director. Um, you know, they they really changed the infrastructure inside the Amway Center and how you know the players interact with while they're in the team's building. They hired a coach in Steve Clifford who is very much about building a foundation. You know, I, I, I you could say what you want about Steve Clifford, but you go back and look what he did with Charlotte and you look what he's done in Orlando. He's very good at getting the most out of you know, frankly, somewhat talent-poor rosters and making them competitive and, and instilling in them the belief that they can win and, you know, giving them the proof that they can too. I mean, Charlotte made, what, three playoffs in, in Clifford's five years or six years there. The Magic have made the playoffs both years that Clifford's been here. Mm-hmm. His job is to build a foundation. So I think Weltman's first three years here have been very much about building a foundation. You know, they, they re-signed, Nicole, I mean, and and I, I I believe you know I somewhat believe this you know I don't know how much I believe this because I do think Waltman does care about winning, um, even at low levels like the Magic happen. I think that the Magic resigned Nikola Vucevic and Terrence Ross as you know be, to help kind of solidify that foundation. And, and again, maybe you don't want to be giving four year, hundred million dollar contracts to do that, but you know the Magic made the playoffs the first time in six years or in seven years. Um, they weren't gonna break up that playoff team. I think that sends a bad message to fans. I think that sends a bad message to future free agents. You know, I, I think that overall they they understood that, you know, what we have isn't where we ultimately want to be, but it's fine for now. And it helps, you know, kind of establish that base from which to grow on yeah so now they- and,
1: and by the way another consideration just on that point is they had to kind of almost recreate this as a viable market because yep. it'd been tanking and crashing and burning for so long then what they've actually done is even though it's sort of scraping in with not great records in the, the sort of bottom of a, a very bottomed out east it's still making the playoffs it's still making that statement that, you know what, we are a franchise that is looking to move forward and we're looking to build a winning culture and winning habits and all of those things because all of that had been lost. The magic where... For for the market size, pretty well respected right up until sort of the 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 Dwight Mayer and then the the, the Rob Hennigan nightmare and the backer trade and all of that stuff happened, and it was just like the, by that point the franchise seemed to be in disarray. But the work that they've put in, as you say, is the building blocks of just sort of trying to make this a market that people will go. Oh, do you know what? Yeah, maybe you know, rather exactly. than yeah. I'm not going to the magic because it's. I mean, they don't have a clue where they're going or where they're at.
0: Yeah, it's 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 you know like when when the magic you know signed Channing Frye or you know like and Channing's a great guy but like you know Channing you know joked around like you know I'm here because they paid me a lot of money to be here you know so you know certain like like you know I think we're we're getting close to a phase where the magic can make sort of an all in move and you know Rob Hennigan's all in move was to bring in Serge Ibaka but it was clear from the moment Serge Ibaka stepped foot in the building. You know, you know the Magic needed to get off to a hot start that year, and when they didn't, Serge Ibaka checked out. Uh, you know, and, and you know I, I I don't blame Serge that much for, because he was used to playing and competing for championships, and then he comes here, and yes, he's the quote unquote star player. He's he's one of the key guys on the team, but they're going nowhere, and he knows it, and he's going to be a free agent. And, you know, his eyes were on the summer. You know, I I I you know human nature probably took took over a little bit. Um, you know and then he goes and then he goes to Toronto and you know he had a great run in Toronto with the playo- in the playoffs you know he's obviously a key part of them winning the championship last year was a key part of them being the second seed this year you're like it wasn't that he became a worse player i mean you look at like guys like Ersano Ilyasova and Ersano Ilyasova was in Orlando that year i thought that he was done i was like this guy can't play anymore like this is this this guy's trapped this guy's not playing well and then he, goes, then he signs with Atlanta, has a really good run with Atlanta, signs with Milwaukee, and, and he was a big contributor to them, although he didn't play in, in the playoff series that much. Um, you know, it, the, the culture and atmosphere around a franchise does matter too. And, and, and so, like I said, Weltman has spent the first three years just kind of re-legitimizing the Magic. So now the question becomes, okay, you know, we know that you like long-winged athletic players. That's fine. Those are, you know, decent Those are decent prospects to bring in and try and grow and develop. The question that Weltman faces now, and maybe he gets a pass for 2021 because of the Isaac injury because this team isn't going to be whole.
1: Mm-hmm. But now,
0: now Weltman has to start reshaping the roster. Now he has to start making the roster what he ultimately wants it to be. Um, and, and I think you're right. We don't really know what that is yet because he spent more time focused on making this franchise just, just relevant again. I mean, yeah. again, maybe not nationally relevant where they're on ESPN or or people are talking about them, but in NBA circles, people know the Magic are a tough team to play against. They're not gonna make mistakes. They're gonna they have just as good a chance of winning as they do of losing. Uh, and they're going to be a tough out. You, you know, they're not a, you know, maybe their team you want to see in the playoffs because they're not super dangerous offensively. But they're still going to make you work for things. They're still going to make you, make you, listen, I'll tell
1: you what. I'll tell you what. I think a big part in Toronto's championship last season was getting the magic in the first round. I know that might sound weird to some people, but what we did is we forced them to ensure that their fundamentals were absolutely bang on in every minute of it. Game game.
0: game one was a wake up call for them. And and they've all said it. They've all said that. They thought they were going to, they thought they were going to waltz over the magic, you know. And I remember talking to Sean Woodley of Locked On Raptors and he was like, oh, you know, Raptors are going to win this in four. And I was like, you know, I definitely could see that happening, but you know, I'm going to give the Magic one game. Their defense is good enough that you know that they'll get a game. Uh, you know, I didn't think it would be game one. I thought it'd be game three or four, um, but I, I felt I felt confident that they were going to get a game last year. But getting game one the way they got it, I think that absolutely woke the Raptors up.
1: I think it was. It wasn't just that though. It's the kind of team we are and the way that we challenged them. You know, because we challenged them What the Raptors are good at The Raptors are good at defence So we challenged them We said, right, hey, what's your offence got? And we, we forced them to find new ways And Nick Nurse is a very, very, very clever And and ingenuitive coach So with that in mind I think getting the magic in the first round It was almost like the perfect tonic For the Raptors to then go and, and build from there and, and go in the run that they did
0: I want to thank Stuart Hodge for coming on the podcast. We'll have part two of that conversation. We'll talk a little bit about what stage the Magic are at, what they need to do to get better, and look more specifically at the 2021 season, and where the Magic need to go next, and what they need to make sure they do to have a successful 2021 season, however we want to define that. We'll talk a little bit more about that on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic. But I want to remind you all that you can find Stuart Hodge on Twitter, at Haji the Hack. That's H O D G E Y T H E H A C K. I want to thank him for coming on the show today and giving us set up for our post-mortem on the Orlando Magic season as we reviewed the 2020 season. I want to thank you all again also for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, search your tune in Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places you have podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter, of course, at underscore omd And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, including my latest mock draft, which should be up later this afternoon, Check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter at o Magic Daily. That's right. I'm going to get into some draft stuff next week too once we're done with this conversation. But I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Be sure to t- tune in tomorrow for part two of our conversation. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Ross and I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.